While they're all talking state standards, we're sitting on a bar stool making fun of them. Classroom Brew Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I can't believe we're already at the end of summer. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, some of you guys will already be on summer break. For me personally, today, the day I'm recording this, uh, Monday, (laughs) the perfect time to, the first day of of beginning of year PD for teachers, perfect time for me to have a drink (laughs) the following evening. Um, Because, uh, yeah, next, next Monday, a week from today, the day I'm recording this, is uh, the first day, and it's officially underway. Do I sound excited? <laughs> Do I sound excited at all? Uh, it, it doesn't help that some of the PDs that we're doing in the beginning of the year, we had our Embark PD, which was good. It was two days. It was actually useful. It was nice. But some of the CPS ones, not so much. But before we dive into that, uh, make sure you uh, reach out if you want to be on the podcast or send me anything. It's at Classroom Brew on social media or Classroom Brew at Gmail classroombrew at gmail.com. Had a stroke. It's all good. We're, we're recovered in time. So um, you can also check out the Patreon. Subscribe there for all that bonus content at patreon.com slash classroombrew. And I think that's about it. I'm using some of my merch right now. I'm using one of the koozies for this uh, Vandermill hard apple cider that Katie brought home. And it's all we had. And obviously I'm not going to go hard because I got to go to work tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, but anyways, so yeah, it's the first, uh, first week of the year for teachers. We did like our football team photo and stuff too. So it's not just that stuff, but, uh, no kids in the building. I think the, the teacher aides and all that will start Wednesday. And, uh, some of the, some of the trainings that they have us do every year are these things through safe schools or whatever. And, uh, I'm not knocking what some of these PDs are about. Some of them are a little bit, uh, redundant or, Maybe they don't have to be done uh, annually. If you just did it the previous year, maybe it's biannually. I don't know. But the the people that they get, they they don't use like a nice microphone, so I can hear like their cat purring in the background. I can hear their AC that's blasting at full power or whatever. And the worst part is that they don't enunciate or pronounce things correctly. So they'll be. Let me just give you an example. That's every time this lady said example, it was example, and it's not it's not a language barrier. This is like she opens up saying, "I was born and raised proudly in Chicago. I'm a I'm a product of CPS," and she says exactly, and then words like, oh, "What was that other word?" Oh, it's it's. I mentioned this. Oh, it's inquiry. And granted, inquiry is a hard word to say when you've had two beers. I get that. But these are people that are theoretically sober when they're, they're leading these PDs on inquiry and they're saying inquiry. They're not even trying. Inquiry. It's Q-U-I-R-Y, not K-I-N-E-R-Y. <laughs> like, or no, I-N-K. 
K-E-R-Y. Yeah, that took me a second, um, phonetically speaking. And, uh, but yeah, so everything is a good example. And they're talking slow to us the entire time, like, an example of fair spending with your CTU funds could be, like, that's how they're talking to us, but then they bust out words like example and inquiry and students when they're saying students. Like, why would you have a stroke? It's students, not students. Fucking Smeagol, like, popped into the fucking uh, thing or whatever. So that's for sure not helping the summer blues. Um, I, I feel like all of us go through this every single year. This year especially, pretty much everyone I know that's in teaching, uh, a teacher friend of mine, has mentioned something to the effect of, yeah, I'm having severe feelings of dread and doom and depression, and this is not a good time. And I think just because we haven't had a chance to really recover and recharge. There's that word again, recharge, right? Uh, it comes up all the time. So I, I think a good place to start with this is that uh, obviously the state of education has been pretty rough for the past few few years, decades. Um, but there was, sorry, a little dark, too dark. Uh, but there's been this growing issue, not growing, well, growing over the course of years. I think some people are disillusioned thinking it's like a brand new issue. And it's really not. It's really something that's been happening for decades. And that's the big teacher shortage. And while not everyone wants to get into why that's taking place, uh, it's for sure it's been going on for a minute. But people are still talking about it. It's getting attention. So I guess to, to drive us in there, I've got this ABC News clip. As children start to head back to school, there is a growing crisis in American education, an extreme shortage of teachers. School districts across the country now trying to find ways to fill the gaps brought on by the pandemic and low pay. ABC's Zareen Shah reports on That's what some are calling a catastrophic shortfall and the subsequent pitfalls for American children. Tonight, a major crisis in many American school districts, not enough teachers. With just weeks until school starts, districts yeah. like Nina, Wisconsin. As of today, we have 16 teaching openings for the upcoming year. And Osceola County, Florida, 16, with 200 nine. jobs recently still unfilled. It's across the board in every position. Across the U.S., thousands of okay. unfilled classroom jobs, the result of so many teachers this year deciding to quit. I was definitely very emotional about leaving the kids, um, but I just started to realize so that I needed to do it for myself. A 2022 study by a Texas teachers union reported 66% of members considered quitting recently for reasons including increasing workload, Same. concerns for safety, Same. and low pay. Same. Would you stay in your job if you aren't paid enough based on your education and your experience? A lot of good teachers have left and they are leaving. The exodus is still happening. Districts responding in multiple ways, from increasing class sizes to reducing the school week, neither worse. ideal for students, and some now dangling financial incentives. Des Moines, Iowa media reporting that district promising a $50,000 bump in retirement benefits for some teachers to stay through the coming school year. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to pause it for a second. Well, first off, the, the shortened uh, work week, interesting. But I love that the solution, and the, what else can they do but increase class size because there's less adults to, to do it. I get it. But the, the four-day work, we'll get into that. That's also something I want to cover today. But <laughs> this idea of uh, the financial incentives, it's not, we're going to give this to you right now. It's, oh, you wanted to retire this year? Well, if you just 
keep working in the job you're miserable in and you've earned your retirement, we'll give you another $50,000. That's it. Not, not, hey, you're struggling, you want out of this shit right now. Here's what we can get. It's, we'll give this to you later, maybe. And that only helps the teachers out that are veterans that are on the brink of retirement. And I'm sure for the teachers that are not close to retirement, it's probably like, here, we'll give you some pencils and $100, but I don't know. In D.C., the district is offering teachers signing bonuses of up to $2,500 for high-demand subjects. They're hoping See, this will be enough to there's fill my those issue. jobs. High-demand subjects. So I've talked about this. You know what? We're going to put it right now. The, I don't know, $2,500, but if you teach a better subject, this is the whole issue I have with teacher loan forgiveness. And it's something that I'm doing. I'm taking care of that right now because uh, I've, been, I've got five complete years. I can do that. I'm going to pay it back in less than 10. So the public service loan forgiveness is not my best option right now because I want to be done. Uh, but the inequity of the teacher loan forgiveness thing, if you teach STEM, so math, science, technical, all that stuff, and you've been teaching in a low-income area for five years consecutively or whatever it is, uh, $17,500. But if you teach social studies, or English, it's only $5,000. $5,000 compared to $17,500. What is that, like 30%, less than 30% or something? So we are valued at 30% of the value of a STEM teacher if we are a high school English or social studies or, or whatever teacher. And I'm sure for elementary, I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I, I saw this recently, so it's, it's on the top of my head it's in my mind right now because that's all I can hope. $17,500 is a game changer. Not that $5,000 is not Thankful for that. But the fact that we have, especially in an age when kids can't fucking read, the issue is that kids couldn't do math and couldn't read. And they were like, so they can't do math? Let's focus on that. Uh, but STEM, STEM gets all, they get everything. And I'm not shitting on the STEM teachers. Good for you. But I feel like STEM gets all the funding. They get all the cool school shit. They get the cool labs and field trips that are paid for without having to worry about it. And they get the better teacher loan forgiveness. And by the way, it's the exact same level of education and training that you need to be a, a non-STEM teacher. Why are, we, why are we stratifying within the teaching profession? You know, we're already toward the, the top of the totem pole. See, at the, bo at the bottom is actually on the totem pole. If you don't know this, the bottom of the totem pole is actually where the more valuable things are. So really. We're at the top of the totem pole, but I'm sure that your district will try to make you believe that that's a good thing to be at the top of the totem pole, but I don't want you to get that swung past you because you know better because you've heard this podcast called Classroom Brew, and then he told you that the top of the totem pole is actually the lower status and the bottom of the totem pole is the higher status. So now you know that, so next time an admin says that to you, anything related to, or any, any colleague, anything related to a totem pole, you can say, fuck you, I know what it really means. Did you know that? Are you being a piece of shit? Or did someone get one over your head? So... I digress. But why are we putting, <laughs> the teachers are already at the top of the totem pole. Why are we also further putting more people lower in status within the teaching profession? It's different if it's like your level of education and training, but if it's just the subject that you happen to so teach, who the, f why are we, I don't get it. And I'm not saying that math and science isn't important. That's obviously how we get like incredible scientific and mathematical breakthroughs and avoid recessions and shit. But why is that the only thing that we value? 
especially in the age of uh, low literacy. With or without the pandemic, the literacy rate was going down significantly. Uh, but even just the lack of uh, qualitative skills, um, like forming an argument or uh, eloquently stating your opinion, like communication, has it not broken down? And I'm not going to get into it. I don't need to like suddenly justify on my own podcast why uh, English language arts and social studies is important. But why are we, like the issue of telling some teachers that they are more valuable or less valuable, whether they teach a certain range of subjects or not, is complete horseshit. It should just be across the board. If you're a fucking teacher going with the same fucking salary, by the way, it's different if they make more or less. Like if STEM teachers are making less, sure, give them more forgiveness. But it's the same fucking salary. It's the same fucking uh, circumstances and financial resources or lack thereof in these low-income schools. But because you teach STEM, you get more loan forgiveness. Interesting. Interesting. And the issue of the school vacancies, I don't know if the video goes into it, but I don't want to go back to it at this point, is that they're trying to say, here are some ways we can fix the, the teacher shortage, which is mostly a pay and respect and autonomy issue. And their response to that, instead of, instead of removing the barriers to entry, the big issue being, I mean, case in point with student loans, the big issue being, especially with becoming any profession, but teachers as well, uh, the cost of higher ed. The cost of col- colleges and, and uh, universities that are charging $45,000, $50,000 per year or whatever it is per semester for some of them. I don't know. It's not affordable. And yes, forgiveness is a way to address that, but it's really placating the, the, the bigger issue of college affordability. Just address that, man. You know, I already talk about how there's way too many positions in big school districts. Universities, though, and granted, they're huge. I get it, but I feel like per capita or per the population, there has to be some level of what do we really need at this university? Uh, but they've cheapened the profession instead of fixing the barrier to entry for prof- the profession itself. Uh, I.e. If you're, uh, I think, a, a veteran of the military with, with or without any training, you can be a teacher. Oh, you're a college student with like a couple months of your education down. So you're basically like two months away or two months, uh, two months the senior of the potential students you could be teaching if you're a high school teacher with seniors or whatever. You could be a teacher. Cool. Go for it. They're just cheapening it. Uh, and I'm not saying that like, I don't mean it to sound pretentious, like they haven't even gone through their rigorous four years of undergrad and their two to three years of their graduate program. I'm not saying that. Uh, but if we talk about, like, literally cheapening the requirements to become a teacher, that's much different than eliminating a barrier to entry. You know? Uh, also, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want my kid that doesn't exist uh, to have a teacher that's some college kid who which how does that work by the way how do they have time if they're also a college student i haven't obviously done too much research on this but you know what i'm talking about um they're not going to have the, enough training to, to handle those on the job things or whatever and here's here's the thing uh with all these vacancy issues 
how are class sizes rising so heavily when enrollment, I was reading this thing about enrollment in CPS, for example, where schools are built for upwards of 1,300 to 2,000 people, and there's actually like less than 100 enrolled. And if you think I'm bullshitting you, it's like, let's, let's, let's look at this. Manly High School, it's built for 1,296. Actual student enrollment is 64 people, students. That's 5% of the building being utilized. Uh, Douglas High School, 888. That's the student capacity of the building. 44, also 5%. Uplift, 720, but only 55 kids are there. Hirsch, 960 capacity, 78 kids are there. Let's move down a little bit to the more jarring, uh, or the less jarring numbers, rather. Uh, Frazier Perspective, built for 840. 164 kids are there, 20%. At the, the, the least significant one, or the least shocking one, is the Air Force uh, High School, which is the building is built for 720. That's their student capacity in the building, and they have 174. And if you still think I'm bullshitting, these are just the, the most empty neighborhood, uh, and I guess one or two magnets, uh, high schools in CPS, sorry, schools in CPS. My own school is built for roughly 1,500 to 2,000 people. I don't know the exact number. You can look it up. Um, no, you can't. You don't know my school. And we have less than 300 kids in the building now. So I don't know if you're following along right here. I think we got about, what, 250 or so? Let's just pretend it's 2,500 to go in between the, or not 25, what is it? What did I say? Whatever, we're at like 10% capacity. I don't know how we didn't make this list, by the way. Uh, so I guess it's a little bit cherry-picked. Um, the 20 most empty schools, we should for sure be on there. I don't know where I'm on there, but you know, it's what it is. Um, so to answer the question I posed earlier, I don't feel recharged. Um, our own building, the sidewalk in the front isn't done. The fourth floor for advisory isn't done. The first floor is almost done. They had to like level it off because it was like the bottom of a boat. It was bowing in the center. So like if you put like a ball, it would all roll. <laughs> it wasn't flat. Uh, the parking lot's not done. And when it will be done, they won't have lines. So we'll have to... We'll have to get some geometry students to try to get some squiggles on there so that we have a really fucked up parking lot. Uh, nothing seems ready. It's not the least prepared I've ever felt for a school year, personally, but the school seems the least prepared. Uh, I think the least prepared I ever felt was probably uh, last school year because I personally wasn't doing what I needed to do. Um, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, because I'm feeling this issue of not feeling recharged in the summer blues, there is from teachersoftomorrow.org. This is a North Carolina thing or whatever. They have this, should I be a teacher quiz? And I thought, you know what? What better way to diminish my self-esteem and sense of self as a teacher? And let's see if I answer honestly, would this North Carolina teachers of tomorrow thing or whatever, would they suggest that I not be a teacher with the subtext being I am a teacher? So question one. Why do you want to become a teacher? Well, you have options like, I love the idea of helping shape the next generation, interested in how, how the minds of young learners develop, uh, help them learn my subject field, inspired by a teacher when I was younger. And they are checkboxes. And I believe a checkbox means you can pick more than one. I'm going to go with shape the next generation. Interested, in, uh, oh, no, it's a checkbox and I can only pick one. I guess I'll put inspired by a, no, that's, yeah, that is inspired by a teacher when I was younger. That's question one of eight. We're almost there. And it's going a bit slower because I'm on my iPad. How bad would that be if it was like, you definitely 
dude filling this out should not be a fucking teacher, which I find hard to believe because this is probably trying to recruit teachers and there is a teacher shortage or a teacher crisis. Pay them more. Choose three, choose three qualities that best describe you. Creative, curious, flexible, funny, organized, passionate, patient, strict, understanding. If I pick some of these, am I going to seem like a piece of shit, like I'm really cocky? Uh, I've, I've discovered I'm a little more creative than I thought I was. I feel like I always say I'm not creative to, so I can get out of having to do creative things. Um, but I guess I am a little more creative than I thought it was. I don't know if I'm patient. See, my kids would say, I'm, my students would say I'm strict, but any other school district, I'm not that strict. I feel like flexible. I feel like I'm really organized. Yeah, these are good ones. Let's see what happens. Okay, next question. And again, this is probably more of a recruitment thing. It's probably like there's two possible options. Like, you should definitely be a teacher. And then option two is like, you for sure should be a teacher because they're trying to, it has the hashtag, get ready to be a teacher. Um, Which after school activity will you help with? And the options are kind of limited. It's dance team, newspaper, Spanish club, theater, or trivia. And then, oh, there's an option for none. I prefer to work only contract hours. They don't have to know that I'm a coach. I'm going to go with, I prefer to only work contract hours. Also, I don't want to do trivia. I try to do that basically with my class and it doesn't work. So why would I take time outside of my contract hours? That's for sure got to be a knock against it. So if I were to, should I go with all the negative things to see if that really um, uh, sparks the stay the fuck away from teaching response? How will you spend your free period? Grading and planning catnapping or reading, chatting with a colleague or scrolling on my phone, tutoring a student. I'm assuming even though they're checkboxes, I can only choose one. Now, I I actually grade and plan. I wish I could nap. I wish I could read. I'm going to go with the one that seems like the worst one, which is chatting with a colleague or scrolling my phone. I'm going to go with that. Tutoring a student. All of those happen except for the nap because who has time? But I'm going to go with the chat. This has turned into what are my honest answers into how negative can I go According to them, that's not that negative to chat with a colleague or have some self-care time. But I'm going to see what the, like the lowest end of the spectrum of these responses could be. And again, this is teachersoftomorrow.org. It's some North Carolina thing or whatever. What was your favorite childhood game or activity? Was it tag, chess or checkers, uh, cards, hopscotch, coloring and drawing, reading and writing? That's very limited. It's, I, there's like two outdoor activities and the rest is like creative or games. I guess I liked cards. We'll go with that. I don't know. I, but it also seemed like one of the least school-related ones. I feel like they'll be like, you loved the playground. You should teach elementary. Um, as I try to guess the, <laughs> the, uh, the thinking behind each of these questions. Which image best represents your ideal classroom? For context, there's only six of them. One of them is some puzzled-looking younger teacher with a bunch of kids on the floor with their hands up. She doesn't look happy to be there. Another one is a teacher, and their students are in rows with no one next to them at their desks, and she's kind of knelt down doing that teacherly thing to help them one-on-one. Another one is a teacher on a screen, so I assume remote work. Another one is teaching with professionals. Another one is this girl uh, with her students all on computers, but they're in person. It's not a great website for an iPad. I'll say that. As accessible as the technological world has become. I'm going to go with this one. No, because that's... But see, here, there are false equivalences because it's like high school, adult, kid. I'm going to go... They seem like they're about high school and they're working. 
collaboratively. I'm going to go with that one. I can't describe the image. I'm not Ernest Hemingway. I thought he would ever describe an image on an iPad. Um, but I'm really hoping, and you can kind of predict along with this, what you think they're going to say. Because keep in mind, they're probably going to try to foster teaching. Which do you prefer? Teaching specialized content about one area or teaching a range of different content areas? That's fine either way. I feel like that's, neither of those, if it was like an option, like I don't want to teach shit to these kids. That's the only negative. I'm going to go with a range of different content areas. I guess I went more realistic on that response. (sighs) See, it's not all burnout stuff. Which do you prefer? Working with the same group of learners or working with multiple groups of learners? Oh, that's the last question. See my results. I'm not going to tell you what I picked on that one. I'll give you a hint. I teach high school, so I went honest on that. Again, I think it's going to all be positive. Uh, Let's see what it says. What kind of teacher should I be? Choosing blah, blah, blah. It's an exciting... Oh, here's what it says. Choosing to teach is an exciting decision. You are in control of your future and get to decide what you want to teach. Okay. If you want to begin exploring, take our quiz to find out what age and subject you may be well-suited to teach. Oh, so it's not should you, it's what could you... Ah, it's kind of misleading. That wasn't even in the opening subtitle. Anyways, it says, thanks for taking your quiz, blah, 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 blah. We've calculated results and it's clear you're going to be a great teacher. Kiss my ass. Based on your selections, we've determined that you are well-suited to becoming a secondary teacher. I mean, the picture, there was very limited stuff. Your answers also tell us you might enjoy teaching math or computer science. Nah, I'm good, dog. And then it links to an application. Yay. Anyway, that was, I thought that was going to go a lot differently. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was going to be like, you should stay away. And I'd be like, cool, I'm quitting my job before the first day of school. Um, yeah. Um, that said, not that I'm like quitting, but I've mentioned this a couple times this summer. I've had a really big chance to kind of think about um, what it looks like for me moving forward if I stay in teaching. Uh, I recently applied to move up salary lanes, so that kind of is keeping me in it for a little bit longer, not going to lie to you, but um, coaching and instructional coaching and mentoring and all these things that keep me in the building for a lot longer uh, throughout the year and throughout the day, each and every day. And I've for sure decided, as, as much as I love my buddies Justin and Bert as the, the other two coaches I coach with for football, this will be my last year coaching football. Um, I don't know about for my life, but I've decided, you know what? Uh, we got the wedding in 2023 and the honeymoon and all that stuff, and the season will be over, but it'd be kind of nice to uh, have future summers to just travel and do other stuff. And honestly, CPS doesn't pay that much for uh, all the hours you spend in the summer, really in the spring, summer, and fall. And then if you do off-season stuff, the winter, and then back to spring again. So it's really, it's really kind of uh, as close to year-round as it gets for coaching a, a sport like that. So I'll stick around doing track. That's, um, for me, it's less, uh, it's a spring sport. It's not something that spills into the summer and, and off-season stuff and whatnot. And uh, it, it'll be weird. It'll be kind of like a last hurrah. So I've decided I will do like a, as this season goes on, and I think our first game is like the 27th of August or something like that. But as this season goes on and I near the end, it's kind of like my uh, victory lap. I hopefully can take it all in and just enjoy it. 
but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how it feels throughout, and I'll kind of give a couple updates uh, along the way as we, as we near the end of my football coaching career at my current school for now. Put that asterisk, because you, know, you know, who knows? I mean, I might, I mean, theoretically, I would want to spend more time with my uh, soon-to-be family once, you know, wedding and all that stuff, and who knows what happens in the future, I don't want to talk about that. But um, hopefully those summers are spent more with like my niece and nephew, but also uh, eventually my own family uh, someday and stuff that I want to do. And not that football, it's not, it hasn't been a chore for me. Some days it has because the kids are pretty inconsistent. But uh, I think having more of that time to myself will be, uh, myself and my loved ones will be um, pretty game changing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that um, very much. It's been, <laughs> it's made the summer a lot easier for me personally. So, uh, okay, let's, uh, before we get into our last thing here, we've got one comment hero of this week, and then we'll wrap it up after that. Welcome to the comment hero of the week. When someone's being an ass in the comment section, but they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. What's going on is you failed fucking social studies. Or when you see someone call that person out, they are our comment hero of the week. Even though some heroes do call out those idiots. Remember, don't call out a comment hero in the comment section. You can't fix them, and you can't fix stupid. So this is a genuine comment hero. This is from Worcester News. There was some article. I chose not to read it because I don't want to. I know it's more divisive than anything, and it's clickbait, and I'm not going to buy into it, Worcester News. And the article's title was... Uh, the fact that they might be moving in Worcester to a three-day work week, which seems improbable, uh, <laughs> three-day work week, and then it says, ahead of teacher pay increase. And everyone is so upset, and the reason that this is short and brief is because the person who is our comment hero, this is a genuine comment hero. This is not an asshole. This is the actual, like, calling shit out, being the real hero in life, gets the applause. It's Johan Cindy Villo. Vijoyan, Vijoyan, oops, change it. Uh, and their comment is yawn, a divisive non-story to divert from the deeper issues at government level. Level had a stroke again. Yes, distracting from it. That's all it is. There is not a teacher shortage. There's a teacher respect and pay issue. Need I say more? Johan, you get the commentero of this week. I don't have much more to add. Most people, maybe it's because they know I'm a teacher on the internet. Most people's comments that were probably negative, I didn't see it because it probably got pushed down. And at this point, it seems a little cliche to go after them. So, uh, but anyways, our last little thing here before we, we wrap up for this week is that more and more schools, this is from ABC7. I guess that's two stories from ABC7. Uh, a Texas town launches a four-day school week to help retain teachers. So this is in Mineral Wells. Uh, and it sounds like weekends are going to just be a sweet like Friday to Sunday thing uh, for this upcoming school year. So teachers and students will attend school Monday through Friday, or sorry, Monday, see, it's such a habit, Monday through Thursday, and we'll have a three-day weekend starting on Fridays. Uh, a lot of the parents are split. Some are saying, I love it. I love every moment I get with my kids. An extra day with them makes me happy. I need more balance with my life with them. Uh, another teacher said, it's something new. It's different. And other people are saying they're concerned about like getting uh, childcare for their kids. And what people found is that it's more popular than they would have thought. Um, and apparently 
of teachers supported the decision, uh, saying it's imperative for schools to think outside the box. Again, there is a teacher shortage to keep in mind. And uh, yeah, this has apparently been a big issue in Texas with more and more teacher vacancies and more and more schools are moving to this four-year, four-year, four-day week. That's got a nice ring to it though, right? Four years in high school, four years or four days a week, four kids that show up on time in your class. <laughs> That's, uh, staff's really excited. It kind of helps because teachers can manage their take-home workload on their Fridays. That's the thing is that they're just, they're still working. They're just not in the traditional sense at the school doing that thing. Um, yeah. So the uh, superintendent, ultimately we have to do, or whatever we do, the goal is to do what's best for the kids. There's been a lot of research, to be honest with you, talking about its impact on test scores. Honestly, when I looked at this, because I was like, I wonder if I can propose this somehow, even though I'm not very high up on the, or low up on the totem pole, <laughs> uh, suggested in CPS, my own district. But uh, the, the data, it seems pretty split to me. And I realized I could say that because 99%, sorry, 75%, sorry, 88%, sorry, none of those answers, 89.7% of statistics are fake and they're made up. But what I saw across the board is that some things were saying like, ah, it makes no difference. A couple, not very many, were like, oh, it improves school scores because they're more like motivated and blah, blah, blah. Others, it decreased because it's essentially a cram. Uh, but it did say that they, uh, the school day is lengthened by about 30 minutes uh, on those four days. And like, honestly, fine, I'll do that. Uh, that doesn't seem bad. Two more hours uh, total, which means that you're actually down about 10 hours for a typical week, um, depending on how long you spend in your school or doing other stuff. But I guess my big question is how much longer the year would be. And it didn't say anything about lowering teacher pay, but I feel like so many people, so many asshole comment heroes, unlike the one from this week, which was a real hero, uh, so many people probably say, well, they're working less, they should get paid less, as if we weren't already starting off behind. So do I feel recharged as I get ready for this one? Are my summer blues going to subside? You tell me. <laughs> so we'll get those updates with football and stuff. If you guys are already back in the school or uh, have already been underway for a minute here, um, let me know how it's going. Hope it's going well. Hope you're you know, practicing self-care. I struggle with that. But um, hopefully the podcast has been a nice way to kind of decompress or compress, whatever. I, you know, whatever it is for you, I hope that's what it's doing, what you want it to do. Um, hey, you can reach out classroombrew at gmail.com or at classroombrew on social media. You can subscribe on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash classroombrew for that bonus content. Uh, I really, when you guys reach out, that's seriously amazing. Whether you're in a teacher prep program, uh, you're a veteran teacher, uh, or you're starting off, or students, I've had some students uh, that have reached, not, not my own, that'd be weird. It's a little bit weird still, but you know, but uh, people that reach out and, and talk about what the show means to them, that, that really means a lot. Yeah, it's, it's humbling because it's not, we're, we're a smaller podcast, but it's humbling when people still reach out. That's really cool. And I, I truly do read all that stuff. I might suck with timing sometimes because I don't always check. <laughs> I don't always check uh, Instagram. The Instagram is the main one. But when I do get those, I do read them. Uh, and I do actually uh, take what you guys say to heart. I, I think it's awesome. So. If you have reached out, I appreciate that. Please continue to do that. And if you haven't, or if you've been thinking about doing it, please do that. That would, that would mean a lot. Uh, I would love to get your input or if you want to you know, mention something for the podcast or, or hell, if you want to be on it, that's cool too. Uh, but seriously, guys, thank you so much for that. Yeah, 
So take care. Hopefully, if you're hanging out of summer, hang on to it as long as you can. And if it's the year, we will get through this one together one Thursday at a time. Because that's when episodes come out of the podcast. So uh, take care, guys. And until next week, class dismissed. This is Classroom Brew.